Welcome to another episode of our Founder Podcast. I'm your host, Ash, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your business. In this episode, I talk to Michael, the founder of Geomas. Michael, a serial entrepreneur who began his journey at just 13, buying and selling cars. And by 18, he was selling over 500 computers annually. In college, he co-founded a firm that pioneered 3D digital twins for real estate. His own venture, Constructed 3D, was acquired by a smart lighting company where he integrated 3D drawings and lighting surveys. Now, with Geomas, he's revolutionizing global renovation projects with a blend of CAD, BIM, and user-friendly web app. Michael's achievements exemplify his relentless pursuit of innovation and business excellence. So, hope. You enjoy the interview. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a very flattering in- <laughs> insight there and uh, very thorough, very impressed. Thank you so much for having me on, Ash. Cheers. Do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you that you can share with us? I think I don't have a, a, a favorite quote, but I do have something that I always kind of reiterate to myself that I think is important for kind of fellow entrepreneurs or people getting into business is that everything takes a little longer than you think it's going to take. Uh, And that goes for all aspects of the business, even your life in general. Uh, You know, all of us, we don't run on Elon Musk time. Um, So uh, we, uh, you know, you know, all these things, you know, getting to the certain goals within your company, uh, you know, you think it's going to take three months and it takes a little bit longer or you have a project. Oh, I'll do that in a week. And, you know, technicalities come through. So I think giving yourself that little bit of leeway to allow and say, you know, sometimes these things take a little bit longer than what you think they're going to take. Yeah, definitely. And I I, I can resonate with that because, you know, being a founder, you always th- you're always excited with the idea and you start working on it with several different, you know, uh, places and people and then ultimately when you're going through it you realize no your estimation was like either underestimated or vastly in a different direction yes, but that's exactly. all about learning isn't it correct yeah yeah absolutely yeah great so tell us about geomas then what does the product do who is it for and what's the main problem you're helping to solve i think geomas is kind of a, it results as kind of a turnkey solution for Uh, businesses who are looking to expand or renovate their previous existing, uh, you know, uh, uh, properties. And Mm -hmm. uh, a Geomouse came in that we we created a a software in which that they could bring all of the kind of 3D data. So your your, your 3D scanning, your as-built drawings, 2D CAD, 3D BIM drawings, all of that into a single place and Mm -hmm. allowing all of the different parties involved with a renovation which is huge amount there's you know all the clients uh the client side the project management side the general uh, the gc side the surveyor all the plumbing electrical mechanical architects everything into a project and uh we also been kind of teamed with uh companies that had you know many different locations over a large geographic uh, area and mm-hmm. we were able to service and provide, uh, you know, all of those different geographic areas uh, under one roof, which would be GeoMay. So it, it meant that they didn't need to or they don't need to go to, uh, you know, separate pro- providers, whether it be in Las Vegas, Dublin, Ireland, New York. We were able to kind of service all of those areas 
And so mm. it reduced costs dramatically and increased all their productivity all in one application. It's, it's very much more simplified and easier way of, of doing things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in a layman's term, what, what, what I have grasped from your explanation is if I run a business where I do buy some old properties, doing some renovation, or I am doing a new property building, um, and I have multiple stakeholders um, involved in that uh, project. So yeah. your your uh, Geomass helps me to make sure that the architecture, the design, all the compliances are in place by sharing it on real time. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And I think it, uh, you know, in construction or development or even maintenance, we do a lot around uh, asset management and uh, and maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of those things we're we're coming in. We're usually uh, the foundation of the project, and everything is based off us. But you know, because of the how expensive a lot of these things are, we we usually become a you know we're usually the least expensive cog in the wheel, uh, mm-hmm. and we become you know what I see is a really valuable asset for them, and it becomes a no brainer once you kind of be able to come in and see the the value. Uh, that you get out when you're doing these types of projects yeah 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 get that get that okay great so so i want to i want to learn more about you i want to take uh, you know get a, a more understanding about your roots your childhood but before we go into that i would like to know more about how did this story begin where did you get the idea of geomass came from yeah, I think I was in uh, college or university, uh, as I say in the States, and um, I was doing a course called Geomatics. And essentially what that is, I'll just sum it up. It's basically uh, taking the real world and digitizing it. So we mm-hmm. kind of use devices to capture the real world and then bring it into your kind of digitization software. So like Google Maps would be a really good example of that or Google mm-hmm. Earth, all those type of technologies is kind of where we would have based it. So 3D technologies were pretty prevalent in there. And I think when I was in my second year of college, I was actually uh, I was actually selling a computer that you were you you had mentioned in the intro. And I met this um, property developer or uh, management team. And he was showing me this new technology, this new 3D technology, and and my eyes kind of lit up. And Mm. then we formed a partnership there that I, I, I kind of, um, I wasn't a co-founder, I was brought in as a, the geospatial lead for that for that company. And I did that for about two years and that kind of gave me my in into all this kind of the use cases into all these 3D technologies within uh, the property and real estate sector. And then expanding from that was kind of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, leaving into college. I left that, that company, created Constructed 3D. And like you said, that, that was taken over then by the smart lighting company and mm-hmm. did, did my tenure there, did a few years there, kind of, I came to the end of that and I, it was very rinse and repeat. And I, I kind of found that, you know, I'd done all I could there at that stage after a few years and wanted to venture out on my own and create geomace and i i knew there was a gap in the market there uh, in terms of how many service providers there were for this as well as kind of an expertise that i would be able to bring with consultation Mm -hmm. and 
so I kind of left at that stage but like like anything I mean I mean that sounds like I was very sure that everything was going to work but uh, you know when you start anything you know you have your hopes that something's going to work but then you know when it comes to reality you know and you have to make it work and start bringing in revenue it's a totally different ball game so uh yeah no that was kind of the start and origin of it um in terms of uh you know where where the idea for geomouse came right right so so when you had this epiphany did you look into the market where there are other products or services what was going on at, at that time and what did you see from your research that encouraged you to move ahead with it yeah i think like 3d technologies and stuff they have they're not like it's not absolutely revolutionary but it certainly is something in in you know when i was going through college and university it made it normal to me it made it normal to me but like when i was in busy built and then um Vizen and the other companies that i was associate constructed 3d uh, I found that I was approaching a lot of these people and the actual barrier to the entry was that they they actually didn't know that the technology existed at all. They didn't actually know anything was out there. And, you know, that that was one thing, like for me, it was very normal. And I think sometimes you do get encapsulized into this, your network. When you know your network, you think that everyone in the whole world knows about this. And like, there's so many service providers and there's so many people and so much competition. But... Mm. In reality, it's still very niche when 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 we're when I go out and, and talk to people. And with that, I kind of knew then, you know, this is something, you know, that there's a, a huge demand for. There's a huge growth. Uh, I didn't do any, you know, real market research apart from my actual experiences over the last four to five years prior to GMAs. Uh, which I thought was sufficient. And, you know, I, I then just kind of launched it from there. I wasn't, I'm not so much wanting to really doing your big, you know, SWOT analysis and your business, you know, obviously you have a business plan, but a really in-depth business plan of financial planning. And because I think you can get uh, kind of bogged down into that and you can lose sight and you can always bring negatives to every business every business has competition doesn't matter how niche you are or what you are you know like microsoft has you know you know windows has apple as this competition you know so it doesn't matter how big or whatever you are you're still going to have these competitions and i think if you go into it too much you will always be able to talk yourself out of doing it you know you're always going to say well you know there's this other person doing that or this other company doing it you know, there's no point in me doing it because the market will be saturated. And, you know, you need to kind of forget about that in some some aspects and, and create your own segment of the market uh, and realize that that is uh, and there is, a, you know, opportunity for you there. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, it's a good strategy to focus on the work and uh, kind of unfocus on the negativity or, or sort of thing which could demotivate you. Um, and I interview a lot of people on my podcast and most of them actually say that you need to do a lot of market research before you get into um, any kind of commitments because, you know, you don't want to waste your time. But I guess it also goes other way around because if you don't, if you, if you are doing something which is creating your own niche, your own market segment, yeah. then there's no point because there, you won't 
you're not going to find anything. Or if you find it, it's slightly different than what you're offering to your customers. Yeah, I, I, spo- I suppose it's different for every t- like different types of businesses. But I think, you know, in, in the avenue that I'm in, it's it's still very niche. And like the main one of the main issues around it is that like, you know, there, there isn't many service providers. There's not mm-hmm. really many people doing it re- like really, you know, because there's not so many people. You have to be fairly, you know, well-educated in a, in a university course or something similar that only, you know, when I graduated, only six people graduated a year. How many of those people are going to start a business within the first five years, you know, and it comes that stage. But, you know, I, I think, you know, the market research thing, I think if you're in a more of a, a broad market, you know, uh, you know, doing that market research or you're, or you're launching something completely new to try and get a feeler, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know i can see the importance there but for me you know i basically i guess i could do i did my market research you know uh you know with my with my experience and actually doing work for the last five years for other companies and yeah. uh, other you know companies that i co-founded which i didn't have a full ownership of but co-founded uh and that was kind of basically my market research in in, in a rudimentary terms Indeed, indeed, and that's actually better because you have you have hands-on experience. You have a real-time insight from working on something which you're you're thinking about. So basically, your market research is you know um, spanned over all the years of your experience. That that's really good. That's really good. Okay, so before moving into your um, you know uh, early years experience, your your influences from your family side, uh, would you mind giving us uh, a little bit more understanding of uh, about you know size of the business where you are in terms of number of customers size of team etc yeah yeah so at the minute uh this year has been a, a decent year for us we have me as full-time and then uh we have about five or six drafting team members we have one project manager and we have a couple kind of virtual assistants which are you know either two are part-time and one is full-time so we're we're at a, a at a nine nine head head count at the minute give or take some are part-time obviously so um mm. so not not so that's the size clients we have uh currently we're looking at about 10 clients recurring clients at the minute um in terms of that and what else did you say sorry you just, just the uh, uh, size of the team and and where you are in, in terms of number of clients and the scope. Yeah, yeah. So that that'd be it. I don't know if you want me to get into numbers, but uh, no, that's, you know, that's, it's pretty fair. Fair sense. Yeah. Um. So, tell me, who is your ideal customer profile or persona? Because people use IDP for different uh, words in the, for where the P stands for persona and and profile. Yeah. Uh, is it more towards the construction companies or is it more towards the architecture company? Who, who, is our, who is your ideal profile? And the second part of the question is how you are generating traction based on that profile. Yeah, I think my ideal uh, kind of persona, I guess, would be the more so on the owner or client when it comes to construction or redevelopment so the actual uh you know the person you know saying i want this building done and they get all the kind of architects and all the different people involved uh because what we do is we give them a lot of transparency 
uh, you know, in terms of visuals and also in terms of, uh, you know, being able to manage the project, you know, be have uh, not not in terms of being hands on, but from a from a top down position, uh, you yeah. know, understand what's going on very quickly and also being allowing them to, you know, have that visual from, you know, they might have 10 or 20 different locations that they're doing even at once and you know to be able to have all of that information within a within a single platform and also being able to discuss with everyone and answer all the different questions that they might get asked is probably our ideal and that is usually where we get our best kind of i guess if you want to talk about outreach and being able to expand you know, is a lot of those kind of, uh, you know, owners and developers or acquisitions, people within acquisitions of buildings uh, that, you know, they once they kind of get us in, they go, wow, this is, you know, super powerful. And they start to then a lot of us is through uh, recommendations. So word of mouth, you know, word mm. of mouth is still, you know, we're all in the technology word, world, but word of mouth. Um, and then uh, we also have an outreach and sales part that we we do which is our normal but we're usually using trying to target those type of people or uh you know other people within that industry architects and all those type of things uh mm -hmm. with our outreach and being able to display our our previous projects and uh, you know your normal thing nothing out of out of the norm there um but usually that way but we do we do find that you know i think as every business owner will say well when you get the word of mouth kind of client that's your ideal client because whoever is coming in is coming in as a uh, basically as a hot lead and they're a lot more relaxed with you because you know whoever has done 10 or 20 projects with you they kind of basically they, they would know your pricing structure or what to expect in terms of pricing from mm -hmm. them and you're able to expand and develop from there and this year we've really been able to ramp that up you know, in the first kind of 18 months, it was very much uh, as, as I think most companies should go through is kind of trial and refining your processes. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, from when, when your process is fully refined and you're, you're, you're very confident in being able to deliver, then only you should really expand or try to expand, uh, you know, and that does take time as well to kind of get how you can get that to work. But uh, yeah, that's 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 our main outlet in terms of you know how we're able to kind of outreach and expand. Sure, sure. So did you did you say that uh, the the startup is fully bootstrapped right now? Have you you know fully bootstrapped? Yeah, fully, yeah. Okay, great. So we have some property prop tech investors uh, in our community. So would you be able to share your pricing model, revenue model, just to get give them an understanding of how how you generate money? Yes, like uh, in terms of like what the service usually costs. Uh, yeah, kind of to, yeah. Give us, give us it, an it, example it, for a customer how much. Uh, when yeah, it it, re it really it really depends on you know it's unfortunate I can't say like oh you know it's five hundred dollars a month or something or you know whatever. Um, we do have a cost for our software. It's usually it, it's pretty inexpensive. It's a dollar per per user and then it's five dollars per building and mm. then obviously you know when a project might be complete or you don't, no longer need it then you just get rid of that building and yeah. you know that cost is negated so and in terms of projects then you know if anyone is working within the property business you know those costs aren't i mean they won't think about those costs it's not really 
relevant it's just yeah. uh, that but in terms of actual projects you know we we range from you know on the low end something residential which we kind of tend to not do too much of you know we're looking anywhere from two to five thousand dollars and then you know for larger you know we're talking large hotels which could be five thousand square meters or 67 60 or seventy thousand square foot anywhere of like ten thousand upwards based mm. on your your needs but mm. like that that is usually structured around your needs you know we, we usually come in and have a good talk with whoever we're, we're speaking with um and based on what they need we'll, we'll a lot of times say look you actually don't need this and this and you're going to save a lot so it's only going to cost you five thousand dollars rather than the ten thousand because we don't recommend it to you so it really depends uh, on the on the how, how large you, the, the the property is. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah we found that in terms of uh, the market pricing, we're we're fairly, uh, you know, very competitively, if not undervalued in terms of what we 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 we, we give, uh, mm. as well as you know harnessing all of the extra features that we get, which is all of the software things and kind of embedding you into that that ecosystem which is very m probably more powerful or more more important than the other things yeah yeah definitely so in, in a very very high level or a helicopter view i could say that if the pro if if there is a small project with i don't know 5000 square feet of area um the the costing would be somewhere around three to five thousand uh, yeah. dollars for your services and how long that that service span stands for is it two months three months or life of the project or life of the project so that's like in terms of i think what you have to understand when you're looking from a helicopter view so say for example you have a five thousand square foot or six thousand square foot restaurant mm. and they're redeveloping or else it's a space it's a vacant space that a restaurant is coming into you know the least the, the thing that will be the least expensive through that whole project is my services and they'll be the basis and the foundation for the full project throughout the whole duration so all the all the as builds drawings and plans and all that so like in terms of the pricing it's usually not too not something that they really focus on because at the end of the day they're probably going to be buying you know five sets of chairs which all of a sudden cost three thousand dollars anyway you know so the cost yeah. of these things are really so it's really relative in terms of the project you know you might have a project that's five hundred thousand dollars that's the budget for the project and then we're only taking five thousand of it and then when you think of every single person involved in that project will be within the software every single person will be using the data that we give them you know all of that uh, and all the visual data as well that we give is it's kind of you know that's where you have to look at it when it's a helicopter view mm. in terms of you know the actual project size and and uh things as well so you know and we have worked with with lots of different projects so that you know even projects with a lot less budget you know even minor renovation projects you know might be focused on a singular room or something like that where we come down a lot in price it might even only be you know a thousand mm. thousand bucks or something but uh yeah Okay, great stuff. So let's head back to um, um, so to your story a little bit, right? So I'm I'm eager to learn more about you. You know, the person behind this this innovation. Can you can you take us back to your roots? Share with our listeners about your upbringing, your childhood, and how did your early experiences shape your journey and eventually led you to become the entrepreneur today? 
Yeah, I think I, I, have a, I had a very good, I was very privileged in the childhood that I had, you know, two very good parents and uh, good leaders and, and very good uh, overall. Like, you know, I, I can, uh, you can only be, to be honest, look up to them in terms of parents, you know, as I get older, like I kind of go, Jesus, wow, they really did a fantastic job, you know, it's a lot to live up to. But I think one thing that was embedded into me from a very young age was that you have to work extremely hard doesn't matter what it is and you know you have to you know uh whatever you're pursuing is is you know you you know you're not going to get anywhere unless you give 100 and i think a lot of that came through my obviously my mother was kind of running the household and she did a, a humongous amount of work and and also then my father was running his own business he had a car dealership and, and that also went under that that that's uh, in around the crash in 2008 2009 mm. and at that stage then had to keep on you know to try and hold up a household and keep working you know that was then embedded in me and i think that you know that era of obviously the crash i think definitely passes down obviously not not so much the stress but obviously the you know like the in some ways the panic of always having to to work and, and and work very hard was was put in there and and you know no one else giving you a hand out hand out there's no there's no one going to give you a free ticket or a free ride you know yeah. that's only produced by yourself so i think that in terms of like child and my upbringing i think that was kind of very clear from the offset um you know as to you know harnessing that that drive to to do do something on your own and to to go out on my own i think i always had that uh you know i think when i was really young i thought i was going to open up a car dealership but then i ran you know when got the experience from my father my he didn't really didn't want that uh so yeah, you know it's not yeah. good for you um and so you know even you know, when I was doing internships uh, in college, working for companies, you know, I, I always, you know, I never really was fully committed or in it until it w I had ownership of it or had some percentage of it. And uh, yeah, so that, that that's, I think, from from a childhood perspective as to why this I've ended up where I am, maybe in terms of uh, naively maybe in some ways people would say going out and wanting to do it on my own uh mm. that's where it's kind of the foundation of it has come from well that's 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 the way you have to jump into the fire to get out across the fire uh, yes thing. so you know that's that's the best and and being being so young in the entrepreneur uh real space it gives you a lot of uh, advantage uh, you yeah. know among the co-founder space we have right now because a lot of people jump into the entrepreneurship um, after they have gone through this nine to five rat race for very very long and they understand that they're just exchanging their time against some money which is not mm -hmm. going to help them for future and doing so at this early age i think it's 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 amazing it's a blessing basically especially because you had some parents influencing your childhood to go yeah through a journey. i think that's a very important point and probably why i've been able to bootstrap it as well is that you know obviously i do think of you know if i was oh like when i started i was really when i started i was 22 when i officially was launching businesses and i had a cushion in that like i didn't need to earn a vast i didn't have a family or i didn't have any you know any 
thing that you know if if things went to shit per se uh mm-hmm. you know you know i always had you know i could fall back on something but you know and i didn't i didn't yearn for you know huge vast sums of money i wasn't coming from you know if, whether it was 35 or 40 and mm-hmm. i was in a in a very comfortable job with a good salary and then kind of saying okay we'll have to jump from that and then start a business and technically i won't make any money for the first two years really mm. you know and i think that's important to say that obviously when i from starting young i think it is you know if people are looking into it i think you know the younger is probably better because you're you're not you, you don't have so many pressures you don't have a family you don't have you know a lot of these things that you have to think about and you know if you're if you're bringing in small money it doesn't really matter matter at the end of the month you know if you're not really pay if you didn't pay yourself for that month you know Mm. you'll still live you know you'll get through and uh you know you're not no one is really dependent on you for that that to come in so i think that gives you a lot of freedom and you know moving forward if you know if people are thinking about it who are a bit younger um Mm. I think it is a great time rather than to kind of shove it off to the future. Oh, I'll do that when I'm, you know, I'll do that later. I'll do that. You know, not to say that you can't do, obviously, of course you can. But I do think, you know, if you do have that idea, maybe just start it on the side, you know, when you're younger and see where it goes, you know, you know, commit yourself two days a week or something to it or, you know, and, and, and be able to do that. Because I do think, like you said, when you're speaking to maybe people, you know, they're doing, probably not bootstrapped they're funded and that's why they've done all the market research and having to get venture capitalists in and all of a sudden you know that the reason why they've had to do that is because really at the end of the day they need to sustain a wage for themselves so Mm. that first the funding a lot of the funding at the start is kind of like okay the personnel of the team is is being uh, funded and uh, and given a salary for the first two years and that that's kind of a lot of where the funding goes you know obviously mm-hmm. there's marketing and all the other things as well and r d and stuff that goes into it and software development but ultimately that's where it's coming from so that's you know maybe in some ways why i didn't have to uh do all those other things in those ways but i do think it, it is a good point to kind of say obviously i'm a bit younger in the in the entrepreneur world but mm-hmm. i do think that has had it major advantages for me in some ways Awesome. Awesome. And I couldn't agree more with you on this one, because once you have investors on your back, then you become so much accountable, so much under pressure. And essentially, not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Being an accountable and speed and scaling up is sometimes good, depending upon what kind of startup you are in or what kind of business you are in. But it is too much pressure for not getting your creativity out you know, yeah. to be honest with your customers to deliver the value. So I, I, I kind of agree with that because sometimes it's better for your business. For example, I don't know if you've heard about MailChimp. They were bootstrapped for years and years. They, yeah. they were not even bought by QuickBook for, I think they, they, they bought by QuickBook like for like three, four years, five years back. Before that, he went to more than 300 plus investors face-to-face, pitched his idea nobody was interested in because it was so basic from their perspective right and then suddenly it becomes the billion dollar company within a few years so yeah great great stuff so so can you can you share a, a a case study a compelling case that highlights how a company leveraged geomas solution to achieve uh success uh and solve their key uh, business challenges for example a project or something and i would yeah. love to hear 
about the specific problem they faced and the steps taken to implement the, the solution, the GeoMass solution, and the measurable outcome they experienced as a result. Yeah, I think one of the more notable ones, because it expanded across the whole of the US for me, and it kind of that gave me my my start, uh, was I, there was a restaurant group, a fairly big restaurant group in, uh, I don't know if I'm able to really name them, so I won't name them, but uh, a big restaurant group in the US, and they, they kind of came to, I, I reached out to them, and then we kind of had a chat, and we did a single location in Boston for them. Uh, they were looking at... Um, getting a, a solution for managing, they, they kind of merged with a couple of different restaurants. So they wanted to have everything under the single roof and they wanted to, to get something that they could manage the restaurants kind of a bit more remotely and also being able to get uh, drawings, you know, plans, floor plans and drawings for their buildings for future development or future reworks or just maintenance in general. Yeah. And we did that first one and that went quite well. And then about a month later, we did another one that was in Cambridge in Massachusetts. And then, you know, that kind of piled on. And then all of a sudden we kind of came back and we said, well, you know, we're looking, they, they said, we're looking to kind of expand as well as redevelop these restaurants that we've taken over to a higher spec. And what you give us is really powerful because we're able to, uh, you know, start the development really quickly, get all the drawing work and then being able to prepare bids, you know, all the get all the architects involved, bring them into it, interview them, show them the space mm. and save them a huge amount of money in the time. Because if you think can think, for example, say you have 30 different locations located over the whole span of the US, you have to get individual quotes and invoices for basically a new company, you know, for every one of those areas, you know, to, to actually provide a physical service and quotes are ranging from, you know, we were doing, you know, uh, quotes are ranging from, you know, a couple thousand dollars to they were getting quotes for 35,000, $40,000 for a single location. And we were able to come in and kind of normalize that and give them a pricing structure um, for that. And being able to work with all of their uh, all of their team and organize all of this for them, so you know it saves them a huge amount of time and stress and ultimately money. And mm. it's also being used for the full duration of the project. So, like I'm even getting, you know, we've done scans about eighteen months ago, and they're still accessing them. They're still actively using them. They're still uh, contacting me about certain things about those things. So. You can think, you know, I think that's been one of the greatest success stories with GeoMouse and its use cases was 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 for them in reducing costs, increasing productivity, and really, you know, once what they hadn't seen the tech type of technology before, and and now it's a no-brainer and it's literally embedded into their company now at this stage, you know. Whereas if they're gonna do something like this, the first person they contact is us at GeoMouse. So I think that's something I'm quite proud of. And uh, you know shows you know the, the the use case and the value for the for the customer quite well. Indeed, indeed, and that's that's a really good uh, use uh, case study for for my listeners because they now understand how um, how things work when they are into uh, this kind of project with GeoMars is like. Uh, it's not just about modeling everything into 3D and 
getting it visualized. It is also about collaboration. It is also right. about bringing information together. It's also about making things more streamlined so that, you know, every single stakeholder could work together and save time, money, efforts, everything. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great. Great. So, so, so Michael, I'm enjoying this conversation so much that I don't want to stop, but, you know, unfortunately we are heading towards then. So before moving towards our um, lightning round, I would like to know more about, more about, you know, your experience. There must have been valuable lessons learned. You know, if you don't mind sharing, could you reflect on your experience and tell us about a mistake or a setback that encountered along the way? And, you know, considered a, not a regret, but like a lessons learned. And additionally, what advice would you give our listeners based on that experience? I think, you know, when I started it, I was, I think the main thing is the team. So like surrounding yourself or, or you know, a lot of my work is, is has now been, we've done a lot of partnership deals with, with service providers across the US, Ireland and UK. So we have a lot of people within our network that we can, you know, call upon to do a, a service or a job for us in in a certain location on site and i think at the start i i did i kind of maybe naively just thought anyone could do it mm. and i kind of just kind of willy-nilly contacted people and you know got it all kind of to work and, and there were some you know substandard work that was done because of that and i had to do you know i obviously had to, i looked at it and i said well that has to be redone again you know, mm. and all of that. So, you know, there's a lot of mistakes in terms of that. And then also kind of in terms of the processing, you know, business process that we mentioned before, uh, you know, a lot of that wasn't very refined and it wasn't, you know, when I was delivering it, I was kind of going, this isn't as professional or as streamlined as I'd like it to be. Mm. And it kind of seemed a bit startupishy, you know, kind of a bit, you know, all over the place. So there was a lot of lessons learned in how to deliver something in a professional manner and in a streamlined manner and how you have to go about that and how the amount of work that's actually involved with that. So like, you know, the, the service providers that we have now, every single one of them is vetted. So we all have our calls with them. We vet through their, their, their experience, what they're able to do, all of that. And all that is taken down and then we, we have all of that. Uh, for our for our front and then we have all the procedural documents that we send to these service providers and how to you know provide the service to the GMA standard and mm -hmm. then also all the background in terms of the software how the software should look how we deliver all of our our, our deliverables to our clients how to make that streamlined how is that easy for them so you know in terms of that that's really the main lessons was like you know I, I was probably somewhat naive and thinking that you know just do it and then deliver it you know mm. really when you're when you want a, a professional you know and and commendable business that you're very proud of you have to work on all the little tiny steps um, yeah. and i think people forget that in terms of like when you see someone like me who's the head of the company and there's people below me or whatever but a lot of the time that ceo or whoever it has actually come up with every single step and business process that you can imagine mm. <laughs> for yeah. all the team members and all of that so i think that a lot of that can become overwhelming and uh you know to be you're kind of going how did i become some sort of a developer here and i have no experience in this and you're, <laughs> you're you're setting the standards for you know how to do whatever it might be 
in, in yeah. areas that you're not familiar with. So all of that learning and all of that uh, comes with it. And building a team, mm. uh, I think, is now like when I'm I'm kind of growing now a bit more. And I've I've I know I always heard that you know your team is extremely important and da 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 da, but mm. the more I actually think about it, you know all this technology be but technology but actually your team members and who you bring into your business and how you lead them is probably the most important thing once you get past that kind of initial step of all the processes there in place and you know in some ways obviously there's always new processes to come in but you know once you ha have that <clears throat> in place uh that you know building that team is is absolutely vital and really is is if your company is going to kind of expand rapidly or is it just kind of going to go up topsy-turvy yeah yeah no totally agree team is very essential partners teams um, stakeholders are very very crucial for your business you have to be very careful when you onboard them great okay so we should wrap up now we are going sure. into the lightning round and i've got six quick fire questions for you and just answer them as quickly as you can sure great okay what book would you recommend to our audience and why i think uh 12 rules for life jordan peterson i think uh, it's just uh it's just a must read mm -hmm. no i have it in my reading list so i have to finish that one uh, what's one of the best pieces of business advice you have received um i think i received it from 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 other people i said at the start of this 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 uh podcast but uh things are always going to take longer than you think hmm. great what one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder um determined Hmm. Yeah, a lot of people I interview they they get into determined and great and you know tendency so they they all reason resonate with each other. Uh, what what's your favorite personal productivity tool and habit or habit? Habit, I think I it might be a different one, but actually having a structure outside of work. So mm. you know I have. A kind of regimented uh, workout routine and I think that has actually been one of the best productivity things that I've done is that I take an hour or an hour and a half during the day uh, during work hours a lot of the time to actually just take a step out go work out a lot of times I'm, I'm actually thinking in my brain about work when I'm in the workout and then I come mm. back and I'm actually much more focused refreshed and it, it splits up the day in terms of okay my morning time is uh, you know, for all the emails, gym time for work, kind of thinking of what I'm going to do for the next, and then the, the evening and the afternoon is, is is split up. So that, I'd say that. Yeah, structure is so important for for your daily activities, especially when you're a founder. So because you we are juggling among mm -hmm. many activities. Okay, uh, what's a new or a crazy business idea you would love to pursue if you had time? <sighs> <laughs> um i actually i have a i have a, a a youtube channel for for motorcycles and my, my dad runs a motorcycle business uh, and i create videos for all of the the, the uh, bikes that we do and i think if i was to do something that i'd enjoy and probably wouldn't be as stressful i i'd like to set up a course or a kind of a online platform for 
dealerships, whether it be cars or motorcycles, on how to easily and quickly create these advertising videos of like, uh, you know, the car itself and very inexpensively because that's how I've done it with retro bikes. And I think it's something that would be extremely powerful for the, for the, for the industry. And I think a lot of people would jump on. So, you know, that would probably be an idea I'd, I'd like to pursue. I like that because it's very niche and it's targeted towards the B2B2B space. It's, it's niche. It's very probably easy to market. You know who your target is and, you know, the price and cost wasn't, wouldn't be that high and, you know, you'd have a lot of positive. Anyway, it would be a different type of business. Yeah, yeah. And last but not least, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? An interesting or fun fact that people don't know about me most people don't know i think i'm actually uh probably quite laid back and easygoing which a lot of my kind of colleagues and people involved with business when i'm strictly in business mode it's very serious and 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 that but i think outside of that i'm i'm, I'm pretty pretty chill hmm. Yeah, it happens to a lot of founders that they're very focused, very determined while they are working. But when the moment they uh, switch off their laptop or go out of their work, you know, a new personality comes out, yeah. chills yeah. out, relax, laid back. So yeah. it's very different. I, and I understand that. Great. Okay, so that finishes our lightning round. So, Michael, thank you. Uh, so much for joining me and sharing your story and unpacking these last years of building this business and some of your ups and downs along the way. If people want to check out Geomass, what's what they have to Google or what, what is the website? And if the folk want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, www.geomass.com, so G-E-O-M-A-U-S uh, is the website. But the best way to reach out to me is usually LinkedIn. It's just my name, Michael Kiernan. Uh, you'll find me uh, with Geomass. And uh, that's usually the best way to reach out. It's very easy. It's, you know, in some ways, it's becoming less and less informal or uh, formal to reach out on the, on LinkedIn. So, you know, if they have anything that just want even a casual thing, then that's usually the best way. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your inspiring journey and the impactful work you're doing through GMAS. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, on our podcast. Yeah, and you too, Ash. It's actually been I really, really enjoyed our conversation. It's been brilliant and uh, flowed really nicely. And uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very, uh, very pleased. And, and and it's been a pleasure uh, to come on. And I thank you for inviting me. Cheers. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of our Founders Podcast. I hope you found our conversation with Michael insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and stay updated on future interviews. Stay inspired, stay motivated, and keep building.